Okay. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, okay. So um, yesterday, Pastor Paul reminded us that the central theme of this chapter four of Romans can be seen, seen in Paul's repetition of the words counted or credited as righteousness. Um, this explains the core meaning of justification in which God considers us righteous through our faith rather than through the merits of our work, such as observance of God's laws, moral actions, or membership in a religious community. In the first part of this, uh, of this chapter, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, has established this truth by reminding us how this worked out in Abraham's life, and then confirms it with David's concurring testimony that blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Through this, Paul demonstrates that the basis of justification has always been by faith, both in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and for Jews who were given, to, given the law and lived under it, as well as for non-Jews. Now, in the second half of the chapter, which we'll read and meditate upon this morning, Paul continues expounding on the full implication of justification by faith. The thematic key word, which he repeats five times, is the noun and the verb promise. As we read, notice also the, the flow of his thought, uh, which goes from the promise to the promiser, the one who makes his promise, and the recipients of this promise or the promisees of justification by faith. So let's get into the text. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the, and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Amen. So let's go back and, uh, and, 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 and uh, look at the opening uh, section uh, of this passage and uh, where Paul, where uh, 
where Paul states that it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. So what, it, uh, what Paul is telling us is that the justification has a promise contained in it. And, and the promise he calls it, quote, heir of the world. So now, if you think about this and, and you go back to Genesis and look at the life of Abraham, what is curious is that there is never a single promise that God gave to Abraham uh, in which he, he said that uh, Abraham or, or Isaac, his son, will be the heir of the world. So what does he mean by this? Well, quickly, as, as you read his life, we, we, we realize that it wasn't just a single promise that God gave. He gave, he gave uh, Abraham a series of promises all through his life beginning with the first one in Genesis chapter 12, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3, when, when God told Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Starting with this foundational promise, God, throughout the rest of his life, makes additional promises that expand on this promise. But, but even through all of those, it doesn't, uh, there's no mention of, of the world. It's just the land or, 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 or the specific geographic promises that God had made. So what Paul is doing here is, is actually extending not only the promises that God made to Abraham and to, and to Isaac, but actually through all of scripture, through the people of God. And, and, and so, you know, there are literally uh, thousands of promises in, in the Bible. But if you were to summarize and compress all of them, I believe what you would get is exactly what Paul states. That those who, like Abraham, are united to God through their faith will, will receive the world. And, and by, again, by this world, he's not talking about this world that we live in, obviously, but he's talking about a future consummation the summation of all things that will happen, what, what, what is also referred to as the eternal life or the kingdom of God or the new heaven and the new earth in, 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 the, in the last chapter of Revelations. So here, he, Paul is doing a couple of things. One, he's reminding us again uh, that, uh, uh, um, that justification brings about this great promise of participating in, in God's redeemed creation. Now, uh, as noted here, he quickly moves from talking about his offspring in, into plural, heirs. Uh, uh, because, again, his view is not just a single person, but everyone who will be included in Abraham be, uh, by, by becoming united with him in the faith that, that he had. So, um, and the second aspect of, of this, uh, uh, this promise that he gives is that it is an inheritance. That's why he says it's th that they will be the heirs of the world. Now, by this word heirs or inheritance, we, we recognize that, that, that this promise is to be received because of a relationship. It is not something that can be earned. Now, a, a, as a kind of an analogy, uh, think of a case. Let's say there was a billionaire who dies suddenly. Um, now, as it, hap as it happens in real life sometimes, Let's say that there is a, uh, a, a, a debate or a struggle over a legal fight over who the inheritance belongs to, who are the, the heirs. Now, now, 
they go to the court and, and the judge will finally declare uh, a person or persons to be the legal heirs. That's like the justification when we're declared to be righteous by God. But, but justification doesn't end with just a declaration. What happens as in, as, in, as in this particular scenario is that once someone is declared to be the legal heir, then what follows is the right to enjoy all the inheritance that was left behind for, for, for them. And in the same way, Paul is pointing to the fact that justification has this future aspect and, and is tied with this promise that God has given us of his inheritance. Uh, the, um, uh, in the next uh, uh, set of verses, Paul prom uh, 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 continued by saying that this promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offsprings. Again, it's by grace pointing to the giver, the one who uh, uh, granted this promise, not the merits of the one who's receiving it. And, and furthermore, he, he says uh, that this promise is guaranteed. Um, there is no question about it. Why? Because it doesn't, again, depend on the subjects. It depends on the one who made this promise, on the very character and the ability of God to fulfill his own promises. And we know that throughout scriptures, God is the one who not only gives promises, but he, but he continues to keep his promises. And, 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 then, and, and so the confidence that we have, it comes from knowing that he will, in fact, uh, by him, uh, upon himself, guarantee that the, that the inheritance that he promised will be fulfilled. Now, uh, uh, so Paul moves from uh, reminding of this promise to reminding us who the promiser is. So uh, he, he again uh, kind of compresses the character of God into a single uh, uh, phrase when he says the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Um, this is the God who actually, uh, uh, who created the world out of nothing. Um, uh, um, in, in Genesis 1 begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void uh, uh, and, and darkness over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, I remember as a young, uh, as a, as a young person in college, as I began to leave the, 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 the teachings and the community of the church that I grew up in and started exploring ideas, um, this is one of the things that made me decide Christianity cannot be true. I mean, I was a physics major after all, we were, and we were told how the universe began. But later, um, uh, um, you know, after my third year in college, when I became a believer, this verse confirmed to me that, that, that the path that, I, that, uh, that I'm upon is true. Why? Not because, um, you know, there was this evidence that God did create the world through, through the power of his words but that this uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 reminded of me of my own spiritual condition when I was spiritually dead. And when God came into my life, all of a sudden, this life started happening. And, and, and so it is this God who gives life to the dead, both not just the physically dead, but the spiritually dead, and who can call beings who are undeserving of God's grace, who are cut off from him, and, and yet call us into this, this new relationship with him. Um, 
Furthermore, um, uh, 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 concerning uh, this work of this God, um, and, 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 and as Paul reviews Abraham's life, uh, he makes a statement that, that Abraham, um, all, against all hope, believed. Um, and, and he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. Now, again, when you go back and read Genesis, you, you recognize that Paul is compressing things here. That, that Genesis actually shows us several points of his life when his faith was less than perfect. For example, when he went to Egypt and he lied about uh, Sarah being his, being, being his wife. When, uh, um, uh, um, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, um, yeah, yeah. So there's several points of his life where his faith doesn't seem like rock solid. It seems almost teetering on the edge. Um, but again, what we're talking about here is not just any one particular moment of his life. When you see the whole trajectory of his life, from the moment that he responded to God's call by faith to follow him into the promised land until uh, the rest of his life, what we see is that he continues to grow in his faith. I was reminded again of what uh, Pastor Paul um, you know, uh, taught us in Livingstone Bible Study, which was probably the, the key thing that, that, that uh, for me was, was when he talked about resurrection faith as being, uh, as being not a perfect faith, but a persistent faith. And that's exactly what we see. And, and, and here, as, as Abraham, as, as God would look upon his life, Abraham's life, he doesn't see those momentary lapses or the struggles. What he sees is his movement uh, of, uh, of growth and of grace throughout his life. And, and this, again, is the work of God. The God who can call, some, uh, call from nothingness, nothingness into life is the God who sustained his uh, uh, Paul's, I mean, uh, I mean Abraham's fledgling faith all through his life, never letting it to be extinguished, but but continue to grow into the man of faith that, that he, he did become indeed, and he will be for eternity. Um, and again, and this shows us above all that that uh, that uh, trusting that, that we can trust that God is with us every step of the way, and that He has the power to fulfill what he had promised in our lives. Finally, uh, Paul ends by reminding us of, of the promises or the ones who are to receive this promise. Again, he says it isn't just for Abraham or, his, uh, or, or, or those who follow the law. It's, in fact, it wasn't on account of Abraham's uh, following the law or obedience, but it was something that was credited to him. And, and he says the words that was credited to him were not written for him alone, but for all of us uh, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe, and then now he expands it to us. Uh, not only, uh, Abraham believed God when he said he would have children, uh, when he would have an heir, but for us, it is those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So, so the object of our faith is God himself who gives this promise and, and, and who demonstrated ultimately is his faithfulness um, to, to um, his own righteousness, as we read in chapter 3, um, by, by sending Jesus Christ and, 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 uh, as our sacrifice um, uh, and, and allowing him to die uh, in our place on the cross and then raising him up uh, 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 in his resurrection and, and, and vindicating Jesus Christ as God's chosen instrument um, to bring us this justification. This is the gospel. This is a central teaching of Christianity. 
which Paul will then continue to expound in, in, in the rest of, the, uh, of, of this great book. I want to leave with um, this quote from John Kelvin. Why? Because as great as it is to think about the future consummation and the great promises that God has made to us, that indeed the meek shall inherit uh, the earth. Uh, what we discover in this world is that it's not so. You know, this is the world of, of Putin, of, of cancer, of inflation, of rejection, of failures and disappointments. So how do we reconcile these great promises for the next world with, with, with our uh, reality of struggling in this real world? Here's what John Calvin says. Let us remember that we are all in the same condition as Abraham. Our circumstances are all in opposition to the promises of God. He promises us immortality, yet we are surrounded by mortality and corruption. He declares that he accounts us just, yet we are covered with sins. He testifies that he is propitious and benevolent towards us, yet outward signs threaten, threaten his wrath. What then are we to do? We must close our eyes, disregard ourselves and all things connected with us so that nothing may hinder or prevent us from believing that God is true. I believe what, what uh, uh, Calvin is telling us is that, that our spiritual eyes, which get strengthened through the scriptures, which sees beyond the circumstances of this world, must be what leads and guides us and sustains us every day, more than the evidence of our very own eyes of what is happening in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again um, just for this wonderful opportunity for us to start this day, Lord. Um, and who knows what um, each of us may, may, may face today. Obviously, some good things and some good news. But uh, I know that uh, many of us will also face difficult challenges and circumstances that, uh, uh, that seems to taunt our faith and, remind, uh, and, and, and make us not believe in God, who is the good Father, who has given us these great promises, who will indeed, uh, who has taken responsibility for the world and who will bring it to a perfect consummation. Instead, O oh Lord, may we uh, choose to believe in and, to may we, and may we cling to and may remind ourselves of the God who has proven himself to be faithful, not only in the life of Abraham, but every great saints since then uh, who, who put their trust in you. And may we follow in their footsteps of, 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 of faithful, uh, of faith and faithful obedience uh, throughout this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.